Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Um, today's guest well, is my co-host on The Baby Club. Uh, so people probably think we know each other really, really well, but in, in actuality, we've probably had a few hour-long conversations on the train going up to Manchester, and that's about it. So I'm actually going to really enjoy today. As well as doing The Baby Club, he is a presenter, obviously, a performer. He's part of the original London cast of Stomp, which I love. Uh, and he's founder of Dadvengers, a site that supports dads to be hands-on and dad of two. It's Nigel Clark. Hello. Hey. How are you? Lovely to be here. <laughs> I feel like this is probably going to be the most in-depth chat we've ever really had. That's the thing. We, we're normally like ships passing. Mm. You, you'll go and do an episode, I'll be rehearsing one. And then I come on, you go off, and then you've got to do some photos over there, and I've got to do some photos over here. So it's actually lovely to be able to just sit and talk. Because <laughs> we've only ever done one episode together, and that was the Christmas special. Christmas special. One of the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so we should have, a couple of months ago, been filming series three. But instead, we've been doing 
the baby club at home in our homes. Yes. Which has been a w- been... odd, but nice. It's been odd and nice in such a such a such a beautiful way because it's something beautiful has come out of the situation. And the thing for me that I've really enjoyed about the baby club at home is seeing everyone at home actually doing the things mm. that we've asked them to do and that we've we've given them the, the ideas, the activities. Seeing them actually get involved and seeing the smiles on their faces and how much they're loving it absolutely beautiful well but it's because it's all about like how the baby club came about and why it exists is for people that can't get to a baby club so right now no one can so it feels like we're, we're doing something that literally is for everyone exactly and there's there are people who've only discovered the show during lockdown because of this situation and they're they're saying oh my goodness uh, i didn't know this was there this is so amazing some of the comments that you just see on the socials just warm your heart yeah and you have two kids how old are they so um rory is 12 and sienna is 10 nearly 11 but probably going on 18 (laughs) (laughs) so what's your age gap age gap is about uh 18 20 months nice 20 months yeah 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 Uh, and how has lockdown been with two almost teenagers then um it's actually been really fantastic um normally as you know i'm rushing around all over the place to to go up to manchester for work or here and there and everywhere to film a baby club episode or appear on a podcast or whatever and so i'm always running around so the fact that i've been at home continuously week on week they have actually in they've like latched on to daddy and daddy's kind of latched on to them and we're having lots of fun um whether it's doing tiktoks watching movies uh doing a h- homework um whatever it is how has the homeschooling been, been um I, i'm not gonna lie we've been really really lucky with their schools because they've been sent they've been having teams online from 8.30 in the morning, when Rory started in the first week, he had to be in a shirt. He didn't have to wear a tie. He had to be in a shirt uh, on Teams, teachers there, till four o'clock. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Assignments in lessons to hand in at the end of the lesson. Um, Really amazing. Yeah. Um, Absolutely amazing. And then even more than that, they were taking care of them. Like when... The whole uh, George Floyd Black Lives Matter thing happened. Like I had his his house uh, tutor like phoning up and asking, "Is he all right?" But like taking a real interest. Like the pastoral care has just been amazing. That's absolutely amazing. amazing. How have you? Yeah. Obviously, it's something that we're going to talk about on the podcast anyway. But how how have you talked about that with them? Because there's no avoiding it, and they, they are older. They're going to be really aware of what's going on. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, Having children that are multiracial and being a black father, you talk about race a lot earlier, I think, with your kids than than, let's say if you were white. So I have talked to them about race and and race is, I wouldn't say in their face, but they're they're aware of it and they're aware of the diverse nature of this, the world we live in. And they're also aware that that could mean that um, you get treated differently or you could uh, bump into racism or, or prejudice or all of those different kinds of things. 
Um, so they they were much more aware of it. But uh, when the George Floyd thing happened, they get to see a different side of it. So they saw protesting, they saw police, you know, and and uh, protesters going against each other and things like that. So I think it took a bit more of a scary uh, tone for them. Uh, and I remember one evening my son came to me and he was he said to me, Daddy, I'm a little bit scared. I'm thinking about lots of things. And I said, well, what are you thinking about? And he said, well, um, the Black Lives Matter thing and whether are we going to be hurt or, you know, things like that. And I had to just literally sit down on the end of his bed and, and talk it through with him. And what I think had scared him more than anything else was seeing the bad side of it, the, the rioting and people, you know, um, doing things that, the media want to portray because they're more dramatic yeah you know they're not they're not just going to show the peaceful protesters they're going to show oh this is going on here and people are getting a bit rowdy so that seeing that side of things uh i think scared him a little bit Mm. which is completely understandable and it it suddenly it feels like everyone is talking about it well especially a few weeks ago it felt like every news channel every every daytime piece of tv was all about Black Lives Matter, as it should be, but you can't avoid it with kids. Whatever you know, it's it is everywhere. It was literally everywhere. It was on every news channel. Uh, it was uh, on social media. It like literally took over social media for that whole day, and and, and for a few weeks afterwards, it's died down now. Um, but yeah, when you when something is that prevalent and and everywhere like that of course when you're a 10 year old or a 12 year old you're gonna say and and like I said his school were asking him about whether he's okay so if you're if you've got people at school asking you about it you know that it's a big thing you know that what is this a moment in history which it was and you want it to be as well because you want that change you don't want that to die down and everyone just forget about it I know everyone's off doing the work now and really assessing what they are doing and how they're acting but you don't almost want it to quieten down because you want it to continue you don't want it to be a moment you want it to be a a lifetime change that's exactly it I mean when it happened I actually refrained from saying anything on social media for a couple of days just to see where it was kind of going Mm. and then uh, a few days later I did a post on on my Instagram that was literally just about people um i think i called it staying on the wagon it's not something you jump on for a couple of days because it's a hashtag happening and it's blackout tuesday um that's not that's not going to help it's it's a lifelong effort that we need to make because i don't think it'll be changed in our generation it's our children's generation that will change it so yeah i did a post literally that was all about um it's not about the next day two days three it's about the longevity and, and whether people are actually in it for, for the long run or whether they're just in it for the hashtag. Mm. What was your childhood like? Mm, I was really lucky. Um, I had a great childhood. My parents worked uh, every hour God send, could send them to, to send me to a really good school. My dad uh, was a pharmacist and my mum was a midwife. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my mum was with my She actually delivered my two kids no Uh, oh my gosh yeah Yeah, she actually delivered my two uh i was there with my mum uh when they they came out as they were so it was a really lovely experience to be able to share that with with my mum my partner you know it just you can't write it it was just it's just the way it happened 
So yeah, um, mum and dad really did as much as they could for me to be able to have the opportunities because being black parents, to say it again, they, they had a harder time and they knew that their children were going to have a harder time. So they wanted to give them the best best opportunity and best option. So they, they, like I said, worked every hour to send me to a good school and keep me on the straight and narrow and 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 have the best chance I could. So I can't I can't really fault them for it. My 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 upbringing was great. I mean, of course, I would have had hard times being uh, in my school. Let's say I was the only black uh, member of my class all year. So it raises things that you become aware of growing up. But I, I can't say it was a bad childhood. It was great. Were you I very had, aware had of that? Were you very aware of that growing up? Um, I've always been a really positive person and I might have been aware of it, but maybe I turned a little bit of a blind eye to it and got on with 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 things. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I was aware of it, but I didn't dwell on it. I think that's probably the best way to put it. I didn't dwell on it. I did what I needed to do. I worked on what I enjoyed and, and did and, and did the things I loved, really, and, and stayed away from the people or influences that I thought might have been leading down the wrong sort of track. What was family life like? Family life was, it was well, it was me and my sister, really, most of the time, because my mum being a midwife, she worked nights. Yeah. So often she'd do a couple of nights a week uh, at the hospital and she'd come home and she'd want to sleep like for the first four hours of the day. So let's say on a Saturday, Saturday, afternoon, oh, Saturday morning, it would be me and my sister. We'd come down from from our bedrooms or whatever and we'd hit the TV and be. But then you get into the, the usual sibling like rows and whatnot and your mum's trying to sleep upstairs your dad's at work and you've woken your mum up at like 11 in the morning because you guys are fighting and she's come down the stairs shouting and screaming at you because I'm trying to get some sleep guys can't you just sit and watch going live and and not make any noise whatever it is so um yeah it was it was there was a lot of me and my sister we we really bonded and um yeah we we used to play and go around and do things and then we used to have family holidays the the usual things did it make you think ahead though to family life of your own and having children um do you know what not not really I, I didn't massively think about oh what I'm gonna be like when I have kids or or I really really want kids I was I was quite a driven person so for me it was finding it was about finding my place in the world and finding out what I wanted to do and what I enjoyed so I, I kind of went down that route and when I came out of um sort of uh, school I took a year out then I went to uni and I didn't really want to finish that after a year and then I found performing arts and then that's where I kind of was like bing okay I think I think I've I found my calling mm. yeah and so how did you get to parenting was there a point where you started, started discussing it and did it become something that you eventually were like that's what I want to do you know, or... <laughs> uh, no, no, that is not the way it went at all. <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say here because my kids may listen to this one day. <laughs> so I'm going to say it was a surprise. Nice. Max was a surprise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was a surprise, but the best surprise in the world ever. And um, the first few months of that surprise, I was a little bit like, whoa, 
this is this is massive. What is going to happen? Where am I going to be? What, what's going to... Uh, panic, panic. Um, but then he arrived and you, I, I kind of just went into an automatic father role. I mean, in the first um, few months, I was Mr. Nightfeeds. So uh, Melina would express and then... I, I was in charge of night feed, so um, t- one in the morning, two in the morning, that was me. That was me and Rory. So we, we would bond and he would only sleep on my chest. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful time. I still have pictures and memories of, of all of that time when he was mini. Really I've, <laughs> I've heard other dads say about that time, actually, that night feed, that they really enjoy it because the rest of the world is asleep and it's just them and their baby. Yeah, I mean, I've always and still am a bit of a night owl. And just those twilight hours with you and your baby, oh, they're priceless. It's you, you can talk, you, you kind of bond, you you can set the world to rights, just the two of you there. And nobody else is around, nobody knows, and it's it's just a beautiful time. So during the first pregnancy with Rory, were you just freaking yeah. out the whole time? Or were you able to focus on what life was going to be like? Um, the freak out was maybe the first couple of months to three months or so, but then I got into it. I mean, I joined in with the whole nesting thing and getting things ready. Rory's first room, I, I did a massive mural on all four walls. What of? Yeah. Of like, there was like a, (laughs) there was like a countryside scene. There was like a red barn over there. There was like a cat. There was a plane. There was a, a a hot air balloon that, you know, just like a scene, like, like, like you're looking out over the hills and far away. So I did that. And that took like, that must've taken about a month to, to literally paint that room. Well, I love about that. That's literally giving you a task and and a, and a job to get you almost prepared in a way, I find doing things is so therapeutic and it, 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 you almost, it's your time to think. Do you know what? I, I ha- hadn't thought of it like that, but when you say that, it makes so much sense because, yeah, I was in that room painting and thinking and preparing. Yeah, yeah I was literally preparing for the arrival. Yeah, wow. So with your mum as the midwife, at what point did, were, you, were you both like, actually, shall we get your mum? to help with getting this baby out? Or was that just a no-brainer? Your mum, she's there, she's your rock. Uh, Well, hold on. I mean, for Melina, it was probably quite difficult at first to to get her head around that. But I tell you what um, probably cemented it was um, you're having a baby for the first time and you're going to your antenatal classes or you're going to your checkups and all your bits and bobs and you're, you're having your scans and all of that. And... When, you, when you're doing that for the first time, I, I always thought, and I think Melina felt that as well, that um, uh, you'd have like a contact midwife that would, you'd like see again after like a month or two months. But it wasn't. We were getting passed from pillar to post just because that's the way the NHS is and people are busy and you're not always going to see the same person at the same time. And, we, and it's, you, you're having your first child and you're a little bit like, whoa, hold on, I need some stability. I need some foundation. Yeah. And that's where mum came in and she was like, hold on you can see my friend over here she'll see you again in like blah 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 and there was that stability and foundation came and 
with that came mum and and she was the person that we would phone to say okay do we go to the hospital yet um blah 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 so she came and checked how uh far dilated we were and and it you know it was just not, from there on from that moment when you you have someone that's like your rock as it were during that whole well what are we going to do this is the first time round um it just became right yeah you're doing it <laughs> an amazing thing though to go through together like I know people that have had parents in the room what mums in the room but to actually have your mum there as such a vital role within that process yeah it was uh do you know what I mean it to someone else it might seem like wow to me it's like almost normal because that all I've ever known is my mum was a midwife my mum went to work when I would I'd I'd go to bed at like 8.30 and she'd have to go to work at 8.45 and my dad would be there and she wouldn't come back until 8 o'clock the next morning when I'm going to school and she might take me to school and then so it was I was always surround I was surrounded by a midwife so it, it was it was natural yeah to me but seeing yeah. a seeing a baby be born like coming into mm. the world having two of the women who are you know your most important women in the world do it like yeah. create like bringing that life in it must be such a surreal and powerful moment I imagine it's the most powerful birth your mum's ever experienced unless your sister has children as well you know it's very there's something about seeing your grandchild be born your son your partner's son you know it's yeah. it's it's a powerful moment it's definitely a powerful moment it's one that you you take away forever and uh with Sienna we I actually filmed Sienna's one so I've got I've got that moment with all three of us there and I've watched it back a, a few times and it's just it's one of those moments you can't you can't explain it you can't oh, it, it is what it is it's really hard to put into words it's it is just a wholesome moment that cannot quite ever be beaten mm. just the rest of life strips away and it's all yeah, about every, that. It's very surreal. Nothing else is, a, is... You forget what's around. Everything sort of blurs out. And then this little thing comes and you look at it and you're like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> even now, even now, thinking about it, you just, you just go, whoa. How, how did that, how, you gave me that responsibility. Uh, how, how could you trust me with that? But here we are. What was it later. like? What was it like holding him for the first time? I don't know about the first time because I think it was a bit of a blur. Like we just said, it was blurry, but I can tell you what it was like moving on from there when you, you come home and you bring baby home and then you're nursing for the next however many months, years. I would love, absolutely love having him on my chest. He was tiny, really, really, really small. But his favourite place was on my chest, listening to my heartbeat. If he was ever upset or or just a little bit grisly or whatever, there, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. And even Sienna, when she was born, um, later on, she'd get grisly at night time. But again, next to my chest in a sling on a night walk, like blowing out um, condensation because it's so cold outside, she was like, 
this is this is me i'm out <laughs> see you later <laughs> yeah those moments were beautiful it sounds like you really found your role within that time definitely um um i think because my dad worked so hard and so many hours and wasn't it's not that he he physically wasn't around as much because he was at work. That's just the way it was. I'm an 80s child. A lot of people who were in that decade will know exactly what I'm talking about. So because he was away a lot, you know, I, I remember I remember sitting watching stuff like Knight Rider or The A-Team, you know, those 80s shows. Yeah. And I'd see stuff in the shows and I'd be like, Daddy, 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 I watched this today. And I'd want him to sit down and, wa and watch it for me. But he always had to go to work and things like that. And I, you know, I don't blame him for that or anything, but not having those moments made me want to have those moments with mine. So when Rory comes to me and says, oh, daddy, I want to show you this, we have a really good bond uh, in, in that way. Be and I think that's because of the way I was brought up. Yeah. What yeah. were those first three months of having Rory home like? Mm. Um, I was really lucky because uh, the way I work freelance, I could kind of pick and choose work as it came and went. So I was around a lot, maybe a lot more than you would get as having paternal, like paternal leave as it were. So I was around a lot, uh, working from home and, and doing things from home. So I really got to be around. And like I said, I was doing all the night feeds. So I was fully immersed in it. And I got to see the changes because you know how, how babies change literally week to week, day to day. Uh, and I got to see that happening all the time. So it, it was, I feel lucky. I feel blessed that I was able to see it because a lot of dads don't get to see that and will find it hard to bond with their child in those early months because mum's bonding as well. And, you know, sometimes dads can feel a little bit like, well, where's my place? Where's my space? Um, but I, I didn't. I didn't have that uh, and and because I didn't and I know how special it is that's kind of one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about dad vengers and what we do with dad vengers and trying to um, encourage dads and help dads on that journey on that side of things because I know how good it feels yeah has that is that desire sort of increased as well since even doing the baby club and seeing because I know you didn't do any baby clubs did you I think I think they probably started they were there but they've become more popular and I think at a time it was probably something that mums did and only in the it was definitely something it was definitely something that mums did more of um I wasn't really aware of them and I didn't um I don't know whether it was through my upbringing I, I just didn't feel like I needed it as much because I was fully involved I was you know I, I was feeding I was doing this doing that I had family around so we had the social side of things happening as well so you kind of feel like what I felt like like all my boxes were ticked yeah like oh we're doing it we're doing it. it's all it's all good but having worked on the baby club now afterwards if you if I went back I'd be like right we're going to a baby group because there is even more that you can get from going to a baby club. And, and I've only learned that in the, in the last two years, maybe of doing the show. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that and dad vengers kind of 
kind of runs parallel because what you're doing what you're doing with dad vengeance is saying it's a, like go do those things you don't have you know in, you're encouraging them to take not even an interest or giving them permission almost kind of saying it's good it's fine we can and showing them that other dads do it and and that we're all kind yeah. of finding our way the thing the thing that i'll tell you what there was there's two things that really kind of cemented the dad vengeance thing was in my head beforehand but there were two things that kind of cemented it and made me go no you really have to do that one was a conversation with chris pilkington who mm -hmm. you know who is one of the creators of the of the baby club and he said something to me about nigel you don't know how important what you're doing is for dads you really don't and as a black dad even more so because of you know, the stereotypical um, things that we hear about black dads not being around and, and, and all of those things. So he said, you don't realise how important what, you do, what you're doing is. That was the first one. And the second uh, was uh, when we filmed the dad episode of The Baby Club, which was a special moment for me and a special moment. It was special for everyone in the room. Um, there was a different feeling because you don't, see that often mm. you I don't think I've ever seen like a you know anyone walk into a baby club and for it to be all fathers um to to be there and part of it you could feel a different energy in the room and you could feel it was really special uh and those two moments together were, uh, that made me go okay we need we need this to happen more we need more moments like that uh and yes Chris you're right <laughs> what I'm doing is important what is your overall wish for, for Dad Vengers? Um, for it to be a place that encourages people that never even thought that they could be as hands-on as, as, as you can be with, with your son or daughter or grandson. It doesn't really matter. Um, and one of the ethoses that we've got at Dad Vengers is, yes, it's Dad focused when we want to help dads and we want to you know provide a, a, a place for them but we really really want everyone everyone who's a parent involved so we want mums we want grandparents we want carers we want um parent parenting professionals we want input from all of those people because it, it's not just about oh dads we can help ourselves yeah. it's about we can all help each other A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you feel like working on the baby club has even affected how you parent your two, even though they're older? Or does it make you kind of think about things in a different way? definitely makes me think about things in a different way i'm i'm the kind of person that is always looking for for new ways of doing things new i'm always i'm i'm an i analyze things a lot so i will i'm very analytical of a situation or a way of doing things so even when i'm teaching something so say uh off the top of my head in stomp if i'm teaching a rhythm or something like that i'll teach it to some someone one way but I'll teach it to another person another way because I know that they learn in a different way to that person so I'm always analyzing which is the best way for you or which is the best way for you so um my mind's always been like that and then when you add something like baby club to it where where they literally open your world and you get they they take you from here this streamlined view to no actually all of this is going on as well um it for me that was just like <laughs> and I'm just like t- taking bits from everywhere going no you're learning there you're learning there you're learning here whoa whoa we're all learning all the time and yeah so I think it just it opened me up even more mm. and it complemented what I did already yeah yeah how have you um managed the juggle of working and being a parent because you've got some crazy schedule. I can remember being on the train to Manchester <laughs> and you telling me about your like your day-to-day schedule of when you get work in, Nigel, and it's bonkers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit mad um, because we have the craziest schedules. So to give you a bit of background, Rory's a gymnast, so he trains when we're, when we're not in a lockdown situation, he would train five times a week for um three or four four hours uh, he's time. not just a gymnast he's like a proper proper <laughs> gymnast who's got, like amazing yeah he, he he trains five times a week but his 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 words he'd love to go to the olympics one day yeah in his words um so that's one schedule right add that to sienna's schedule um she before lockdown was doing a west end show so she was doing anywhere between three and five shows that she had to get to at West End. And before that, she was rehearsing for that show. So that was five times a week rehearsing. Add that to my schedule. Add some school to that. Add Melina's schedule to that. And she, she runs a dance school. So she teaches at that dance school three or four evenings a week. Somehow, we all have to manage to drop Rory there, pick Sienna up from there, me go to work, run off to Manchester, come back. It's literally full on. But we take it day by day, week by week, and make it work. And grandparents, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) But you also do a lot of your work in the evenings. So you're still practically nocturnal now. Yeah, um... 
Always have been a night out. I think it's from my theatre days as well. Uh, it's not often I will go to sleep before two or three in the morning. Oh my two or... gosh. Yeah, but I'll get up a little bit later. I'll get up at like nine, right. eight or nine. Okay. But yeah, three or three in the morning. I mean, I've been known to go to sleep at four. four no, and... joy. Oh my God, I'm just getting yeah. up an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, if from time to time I, I say, okay, I'll do the school run in the morning, then I then I might be up at like seven. Oh I might my might be up on a seven, yeah. But I, 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 like we said before, I like I like the nighttime, and it stems a little bit from when I was working in the theatre. If I was working in the theatre, you're not going to be on stage till six or seven o'clock. Right, you might do your, your your run through at six o'clock in the evening. That's when you start work. Yeah. You'll finish work at like say tenish, and after that kind of work, you're not going to bed at eleven. The adrenaline is still flowing through you till two in the morning. Mm. So I think my body clock shifted round when I was doing theatre, which was my main thing um, in my twenties, uh, and it's never really gone away. And I've just kind of stuck with that. Were you still doing theatre when Rory came along? Yeah, I was I was doing Stomp in London when Rory was born. So I would come home sometimes from a show at 10 and be be doing the feed. See, that was up. I was yeah. I was ready to go. So doing the doing the one o'clock, two o'clock feed, that was great. That was That's I'm like, like okay, the cool, kind this of is perfect still in my work partnership. Because one you you're up anyway, you're feeling that buzz. Melina can go and sleep and get, you know You go and sleep. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it worked out really, really well. Do you ever feel guilty, well, have you ever in the, in the past felt guilty about having to go to work and having to spend time away? Yeah, I mean, uh, when Sienna was born, I had to go, I mean, this was at a time when work, I didn't have a lot of work at that time. I remember doing stuff like rickshawing in like central London around Ch- Chelsea uh, it was a Chelsea flower shirt, I think, at the time, and I was literally riding around on a rickshaw, sweating buckets, taking people round to see different flower stuff because I didn't have a job. Yeah. Um, um, and when Sienna was born, um, I had to. I got a um, call from Stomp to go and perform in Singapore and Serbia, was it? So I had to go away for three weeks. I had to go away for three weeks and Sienna was maybe four weeks old. Oh my maybe. gosh. So yeah, I had to go away. And I think, she might have been a little bit older. And I think Rory and Sienna got ill. I, I remember coming home and having a horror story told to me <laughs> that, that like both of them were like projectiling one way and coming out the other end. And it was just like, and you were not here. And I still hear it to this day. Really? And yeah, yeah, that I, yeah, that I was not around at a, a key moment when they were both ill because um, I was away working. So that's yeah, really sometimes tricky as well, isn't it? As a performer, you never know what your next job is going to be. So even if you are in stomp and it's all going amazing, you don't know what's going to happen after that. Yeah, so sometimes you just have to take that bit of work because you might not have any work for the next four, five, six weeks, but you've still got the rent to pay. So it's the juggle. It's the constant juggle that we were talking about. I take it day to day, week by week. And thank you, grandparents. <laughs> Do you ever feel guilty? Um, yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes 
when I can see or feel the sadness in my kids saying goodbye or I hear that they're in crying at home because they miss daddy. I remember once I was in Birmingham, it was a couple of years ago, and they came up to see the show. They came up to see Stomp and they got to spend the day and they were backstage and they met all of my friends and stuff and we were all hanging out. But then they had to get the train home afterwards and Sienna was in bits on the train on the way home. And she's she's normally the one who's like, whatever, whatever, go on, Dad. Yeah, I'll see you soon. But to hear that she was in bits, then you know that like, oh, oh. Yeah. And that guilt just oh, sort of weighs on you a little bit. But we do what we have to do. Does it ever make you unexpectedly emotional? Because for me, it just catches me off guard every now and then. Yeah, it's, de- it's a definite catching you off guard. I tell you when it caught me a little bit was after lockdown, after spending so long with them to then have to go up to Manchester and do some CBBs, say goodbye to everyone and went, oh, oh. <laughs> Walking up to the tube went, oh, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, and you're not expecting it. And I think that was because we spent such a good time in the last 12 weeks, 13 weeks, whatever it is. I'm not counting anymore, just enjoying it. <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it? We've, we've had such a huge amount of time together and, and we've not gone out of it yet for us, you know. And it's so strange to think that we're going to be apart when we've been together for so long. Yeah. And part of me is craving it and really excited about it. But it is that weird thing of almost back to normality, but it's not, and not really knowing what they're up to again. And in fact, I think you having your age as well, it must be a lovely time to feel like you've got all of them again. Yeah, definitely. Um, what you said there, you're, you're going to have that same woe moment that I just had when I went to, to <laughs> get... It's coming for you. I'm warning you now. Oh, I <laughs> think careful. first day of school, I'm going to be sat in the car just crying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're going to be like, oh, I need them out of the house. They're going to leave and you're going to be like, uh, bring them back, bring them back. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely. Um, It's a moment that creeps up on you. And I I just appreciate it, really. At at the end of it all, I just appreciate the fact that I get to spend so much time with my kids and that I have such a good relationship with them. We have, I have a very personal relationship with each of them. It's it's different. With Rory, it's it's films, it's um, computer games, and we bond on that level. Uh, With Sienna, she loves to joke and she loves to make me laugh and show me things that make me laugh she's I don't know she might turn into a comedian one day I don't know she might go from performing to comedian but she has that she likes laughing and she's got a really good laugh as well so so we laugh a lot together yeah it takes a while though doesn't it to I think it it takes a while to figure out what that relationship is what those relationships are because you you kind of, you know, we all read the books before having kids or hear about all these different things and these techniques. And you, and you can kind of get sucked into the thinking that it's a one size fits all thing. And, yeah. and, you know, this is how we work and this is how we talk. But actually, like you were saying with, with someone learning how to do the stomp routine, it, there are different skills that you need with every single child. And there's a different bond that's formed off of the back of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to think of it like, like we think of our friendships with our, with our friends. 
all of our friends are different. So our kids are all different as well. Mm. Um, and it's about figuring out your relationship with that person. And what you add to that is that they haven't figured themselves out yet. So as they do start to figure themselves out, then that relationship between you and your child becomes different. So as they get, I'm like, they're getting to 10, 12, um, they kind of have figured out who they are and what they like and what they like to do and what they don't like to do. Um, so then that relationship that you form with them is much more focused on what they're into. Mm. What's been the most yeah. challenging part so far or stage, should I say? Mm, most challenging stage. That's a good question. Um, cool. I think now's, now's quite a difficult one. Now's, it can be, I mean, just before lockdown, because it becomes, I think, going into the secondary school with Rory, um, you've built up all of those friends in primary school. Mm. And you, you, know who, you know where you are, you know where you stand, you've got the relationship, you know who your best mates are, you know who you don't hang out with, you know, you know, you've, you know who you are. Then we yank you out of all of that. <laughs> right and say no you're not going there anymore you're going here see you later bye plus we're gonna say oh we're gonna put a load more responsibility on you as well because you you're gonna have different subjects you're gonna have to walk to different classrooms you've got to get yourself organized you've got to know when to hand in your homework you've got to do this that and the other so good luck see you later you throw all of that at a child they're like huh i was just comfortable why couldn't i stay with those guys and we just do the the subject thing first and the responsibility in the homework and then we do the like move to no 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 we just throw it all at the same time bosh so i think that is uh, a difficult time because every child takes it differently and needs different things and needs different support so this is an interesting time at the moment and i've got it coming up with sienna in september so yeah just had it with rory last september and now i've got it with sienna this september and i guess uh, there's that other thing as well at secondary school it's a little less drop your kids off at the gates um it, it uh are we talking about first day or moving, moving forward, through forward the term? it's kind of like you're <laughs> properly letting go you're not you know it's it's then it's almost they're not your kids anymore they're like little adults who are off to they'll, they'll always be our kids <laughs> G. we're never we're never letting them go G. well i'm not <laughs> um no you're right you 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 have to give them a little bit more leeway and a little bit more i think uh one of the uh what's that style of parenting there's a name for it curling curling parents have you heard what of that? is this that... yeah i heard it on uh what did i hear it on i heard it on nihal's radio five show uh and it's a, a curling parent and um claudia winkleman was talking about it now curling parent is like in curling the sport you know you throw the curling thing and then you've got the people that sweep, 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 sweep to make sure the path is clear, right? To make sure everything is all right. That is a curling parent. You smooth the things before your child gets there so they never have to have or in- encounter a problem. Now, I heard that and then I was like, wow, okay. It's, it's kind of a little bit detrimental to be too much of a curling parent. You have to let them hit a few bumps and learn how to do some things themselves so 
Yes, secondary school is a time when you ha- kind of have to let go a little bit so that they can learn. It, you kind of have to let go so that they can learn where and what to do and how to deal with situations and find their little place. Because otherwise, if you go down the curling route, you're going to have an 18-year-old who doesn't know how to wash their clothes, who is asking you to do their homework for them. And, you know, you, you have to get a taxi for them to get home from the pub because they can't call their own. Um, <laughs> so yeah it is a little bit of a letting go so i'll get off my hands and knees and stop polishing the floor there we go (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard that expression before but i love it curling parenting i loved it as well yeah i loved it Uh, i loved it when i heard it curling parents and it was explained and i was like yeah it makes so much sense and some people find it really hard to let go yeah they find it they they just want their children to have a smooth ride all the way, mm. all the way. And, and I get it. I fully get it. You, that is the way we are up until secondary school. You want them. You're, you're, if there's a problem at school, you'll be in there talking to a teacher, talking about, whoa, what's this problem here? But secondary school is, t- is a little bit of a time to let that go and to let them find their way. Um, I was thinking about Rory. Um, we just got his school report and one of them said he hadn't handed in a couple of bits of work. And you automatically want to go, okay, and tell them off or whatever. But you kind of have to say, no, you, you need to learn from, from that, how to organise and get your work in on time. I can't, no, that's you. How do you feel about that? How will you go back and sort that out? That's, bye, yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Is that the thing? Yeah. I think unless you let them do certain things or make mistakes or fall or whatever it is, they they won't learn or, you know, I even think, so when we had Buddy, Buzz was almost two, almost, and he hadn't been to soft play before. And I can remember taking yeah. him to soft play for the first time and literally like my arms around him either side going, oh, he might fall. And then he didn't care. He was up on those things going down the slide. And I had no idea that he could climb and do all those things because I'd been trying to protect him so much. And I think I learned that yeah. so much with the boys growing up it's it's given them those little tasks i think like buttering a piece of bread or their toast or making you know just those little things like when even when i see buzz go and pour himself a glass of water from the tap i feel that ah oh, isn't he grown up <laughs> see that i i had those those exact moments right during lockdown um i think i was on a zoom call you know because zoom calls became the thing yeah. Right <laughs> during lockdown, and I was busy on a Zoom call. Uh, I think Melina was doing a weekly shop or something, and their lunchtime came, but I couldn't leave this call because it was a really important call. And they went and they they started getting themselves the lunch sorted out. We're talking about pasta went on the onto <gasps> the hob, and I I came out and was like, wow. They'd been <laughs> on the phone to mum, going, okay, cool, right, we're going to sort out the pasta. They would take they were you know helping each other out with it, and I came out and went, wow. Nice one, guys. Isn't that amazing? I kind of, I almost want to get them to the stage where we're all helping and running the house. You know what I mean? Who's who's making dinner tonight? Who's doing that? Chores. <laughs> chores. Right. Um. How do, do you do chores? Um, we don't do chores. Um, there's, there's a list of things they have to do, like making beds and, and bits and bobs. But we have, um, like achievement 
uh, like an achievement based thing. So take, for example, Rory has to do loads of gymnastics and hasn't been able to go to his usual five sessions a week or whatever. And they're not able to, you know, teach constantly on Zoom. So um, he has to train himself a little bit. He has to do some fitness work of his own. He can pick something uh, and do it and actually train himself for 40 minutes. So he'll, he'll get like a tick for that, for doing that that week and this and then blah, blah, blah. And then you look at it and then we can go, you did that, that and that. So you can do this. Go on. You, you, you should treat. So it's a, it's a treat-based uh, reward system, as it were. I like it. Basically, yeah. I want to know when I can start getting the kids to do stuff, like proper stuff. When am I going to sit down um, and have a cup of tea? You can start that from five, six. I mean, if you need the remote in your hand and it's a little <laughs> bit far away... this this can work (laughs) we can talk about this situation i mean chocolate bars are payment smarties (laughs) skittles whatever you want keep them in my pocket at all times i've got a smartie treat treat based system that's what you need has parenting surprised you um parenting surprising every day of the week g (laughs) It doesn't stop surprising me. Um, Yeah, it surprises you every day. Um, There are things that will pop up all the time that will make you go, oh, wow, or oh, or so many emotions, whether they're happy, sad, uh, uh, curious, um, learning things. I learned what... um, trypophobic is I've I've realized that I'm trypophobic or tripophobic is that right I think so but I learned it through the kids basically uh, you are uncomfortable with uh, lots of holes or repeating patterns close together and uh, it makes me feel really funny it makes me feel a little bit destructive so you learned (laughs) that through the kids yeah I didn't have a clue and I've had it for for years and years, that, that feeling, like, you know, when soil gets really dry and it cracks and, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't like it. Water don't, that I don't like soil, water that soil. Water the soil, get a spade or a, a fork and dig it and just, you know, sort it out, make it nice again. Um, but I learned that through them because they were like, oh, not, daddy, what do you think when you look at these? And I was like, no, I don't like it. And he was like, oh, they were like, oh, okay, well, you are blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I love it. They're teaching you. <laughs> yeah, I learn from them as much as I can. Have you been surprised that parenting affects every single area of your life? Like it feels like every single decision you make from the moment that you find out you're going to be a parent is that is a huge part of that puzzle and it affects relationships and, you know, sleep. Your whole life is affected. Um <laughs> it it can and if it isn't then maybe you're doing something wrong because it it literally infiltrates every area of your life. Like you said, whether it's relationships, sleep, um, learning and education, um, what to do, what not to do, um, so many different parts, how much you're going to work, how much you're not going to work, how hard you're going to work to be able to to get them things or give them things that every single area of your life is is affected by having kids and I personally think it enhances it in all of those in all of those areas 
I think it gives you, oh, it gave me a bit more of a purpose, doesn't it? It gives you that um, extra drive. I was driven before, but it, it gave me even more of a drive and a purpose to to be better, to be to do more, to listen more, to to do everything a bit more. Mm. Have you been surprised how it has affected you and Melina? Um, we're a team. I can tell you that much. We are, we are a, a, a front. A, I say against them, but a front for them. Um, we work together, and it works best together. And the kids benefit more when we're working together on something. When we're heading in the same direction, so. Yes, it changes your relationship, but ours has been changed and the focus is... Our focus has been them since they were born. So it's always... Whatever we've done is for the for their good. So yeah, in that way, it's totally changed. I find it really um, fascinating and, and slightly scary and sad uh, to think back to the couple that me and Tom were before kids. I mean, we've never been that spontaneous, but the fact that we could just, you know, go off... <laughs> Have conversations, yeah. full conversations without being interrupted, you know, about it just being about us. And then all of a sudden, children have come along and our sort of cosy life together has been massively invaded in a, an amazing way. But it's funny to think of the people that we were versus the, the couple that we are now. Totally. Um, we used to, I was late night out, we used to be up watching like TV series at late at night and, you know, hanging out and you had time back then. That was the yeah. biggest thing. The biggest thing from before children, if anyone who hasn't had a child is listening, you have so much time. <laughs> you have no idea how much time you have. It feels like you don't. I know it feels like you don't. I thought I didn't have time before children. But once you have one, then you go, Oh my days, why did I waste so much of that time before? So yeah, yeah, that's the biggest one. Mm. Um, so I wrote a book this year called Letters on Motherhood. Uh, but if you could mm. write a book, uh, write a letter, sorry. It, but that was a series of letters about motherhood, about everything to, my, like, to Tom, to the kids, to different body parts, to my phone, to other mums, other dads. If you could write a letter on being a dad... Yeah. Who would it be to and what would you say? Wow. Um, big question. I would first write to any dad out there who feels like they haven't got a place or feels like they're not in the bond yet or they haven't found their spot. I would write to that dad and there may be hundreds, thousands of them all over the world. And I'd, I'd say to them, not to worry, not to try too hard, to just be there around your children or with your children, and you will find your place. You will find. They need you, and you, if you're there, you will find out what they need from you. Mm. I finish every uh, every podcast with you finishing three sentences. The first okay. one is, um, <laughs> being a dad means? Being a guide 
to your children being their lighthouse being their their protector their guide their their everything you're their everything so they they will come to you and 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 you have to be there for them um since having children i i was driven before but it, having children drove me even further to do more to be better to to provide more for them so yeah it 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 made me even more eager to to better myself and better my position so that they had the best opportunity and i'm happy when i'm happy when i'm playing with my kids messing around um <laughs> um we can be on the sofa watching a movie we can be doing a tiktok we can be um laughing at jokes we can we were having fun yesterday on an instagram live the three of us on my instagram chatting to people uh, and having a laugh and people telling them people were telling them dad jokes just spending time and having fun with them is amazing fun and i tell you what <laughs> that it's even more fun i don't know why this is when mum's asleep we have even more fun <laughs> it's like we have this like naughty fun time and sometimes you you you, you can they'll say mum you go to bed you're going to go to bed now mum because they know <laughs> that if or you're tired mum you need to sleep then they know that it's going to be a little bit more daddy time like whoa this this is a little bit more off piste <laughs> i love that i'm already feeling that at home at the moment it's kind of like tom's a fun one <laughs> And I'm just there, you know, I'm there doing chores, essentially. And they just love being with him and laughing. And like, literally, even no. if I'm right, stood right next to them sometimes, they'll still call for daddy. It's still, I'm like, I'm right here. I, I can have fun too, you know, you know. I know exactly what you mean, but it's just, it, don't take offence to it. It's just a little bit more, I don't know. I, I would call it a little bit more naughty, a little bit more mischievous. Well, I hope Melina is having a lovely time in the bath or in bed, just chilling out. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Nigel, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs>